0: So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting Bluehost.com. That's Bluehost.com. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Hey all! As some of you may know, every
1: so often we reboot an older episode, clean up the audio a bit, and send it back out to y'all. In honor of the Guggenheim exhibit Hilma F. Clint Paintings for the Future, recently becoming the most visited exhibition in the museum's history, We are re-releasing our episode on her, which first aired on September 17th, 2017. And of course, a quick shout out to all of our patrons for making the Art History Babes possible, and our producer-level patrons, Sarah Sawatchka-Dalton and Teresa Rogers. Don't forget to check out our partners, artandobject.com, for all your art news. That's artandobject.com. Please enjoy our episode on the abstract painter that talked to ghosts, Hilma Af Klint.
2: The Art
1: History Babes. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Jen. I'm Ginny. And we are the Art History Babes. What's up, babes? <laughs> uh, just drinking some Pinot Grigio and eating some homemade did you make these yeah they
3: are so good
1: homemade cinnamon chip cookies that jenny made they're very tasty they actually pair well out of chocolate chips
2: <laughs> you know what but there were
3: cinnamon cinnamon chips are a change in the game because right? i've never had a cinnamon chip cookie yeah and i'm kind of like move over chocolate i know
2: it's it's like a new thing, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Especially as we further progress into I'm early fall. I'm going to eat another Yeah, one. Exactly. All about the cinnamons. That's actually what the it makes. Ooh, the
1: nutmeg. When you um, when you brought these he's in, nut. I've been like... <laughs> 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 the haze nut. Haze nut, you know. <laughs> I've been um, craving like fall things recently, and like, I'm ready for fall. Oh, me too. I feel ready. I feel ready to, um, especially and... since we aren't starting school because we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Ha-ha! But yeah, since there isn't you know like a lot of pumpkin flavored stuff out yet, this is a nice a nice stand in a yeah. good autumnal flavor. Mm-hmm. It's a and transition it, and it pairs well with the Pinot Grigio. Really, that's yeah. good. It does. What is this candle? Because I walked in and was like struck
3: with the smell of cinnamon, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking it was the cookies, but I don't know.
2: Oh, I don't know. That candle does smell good. I Ber- don't really... bergamot, amber spice, amber oh. spice, patchouli.
3: Mm. See, it de- I definitely didn't smell the. <laughs>
2: that's
3: I know that smell. Don't we all? Oh,
1: man. <laughs> Any, anything else been going on with you guys? I'm trying to think. I watched a movie on Netflix last night yeah. with um, Frodo. What's his name? Oh, uh, Elijah Ooh, Wood. Elijah yes. Wood. Um, Elijah. I can't remember the name of it because it's really long, but it's like, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, I think that's the name of oh, it. Oh, is there's a woman in it? Too, yep.
2: as there she's, often is. She's, well, she's the <laughs> um, protagonist. Yes, she's right. the
1: main, main character. I saw a trailer for good? that. It is very good. It is unexpectedly violent. It's quite violent. Oh. Yeah. It's he so violent? surprising. Everybody's kind of violent at some point. Kind of a warning to be right. out there. It is Whoa. unexpectedly violent, but... Also, I don't like violence, and I could handle it. Like, I okay. wasn't, like... Oh, yeah. well, then it's not bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's shocking, because it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> wow. I mean, it doesn't come out of nowhere, but you just don't expect it, because it doesn't really match the vibe of the movie yeah. up mm-hmm. until the point. No, and then, yeah. then, all of a sudden, there's just mad violence, but I liked the movie so much that I just kind of let it, like, slide. It right. I was like, okay. okay. I'm gonna um, have to watch that. Yeah, it's Surprising
2: violence... Is interesting. Huh. I remember feeling that way when I watched Drive with Ryan Gosling. I haven't right. made
1: it through Drive. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: remember it's feeling... It's very slow. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like, baby. fuck. Right. Yeah,
3: and I remember another instance of Elijah Wood being violent, surprisingly, was um remember Sin City? Yes! I was like, he was creepy. Yeah, he scared
1: me in it was that. It's like, movie. whoa
3: ho, ho Frodo.
1: Yeah. <laughs> tone. Shit.
3: Tone it down, Frodo.
1: Shit. Yeah. <laughs> I love Elijah Wood though. He's just like such a such a little cutie.
3: Yeah. Yeah, he's a small man. And um <laughs> <laughs> not small that there's anything man. wrong with that. It's just that he's very cute. And yeah. um god damn it. I hope we don't have any like small Listener males that are like, I feel like they're making fun of me. No. Oh. I,
1: lo- I love like small, life-mails. hold on, small listener males. <laughs> so is that like listener male from small men? Whoa. Is that, okay, no.
3: Here's the thing I love men of all shapes and sizes. <laughs> and um, if you're a small man, just remember Glenn Danzig is like five foot two and he um, was the lead singer of The Misfits. And he seemed a lot taller on stage. Henry True. Rollins is a very uh, commanding presence, and yeah. that guy's like 5'4". Yeah. And he has a very thick neck. So mm-hmm. if you're a small man and you want to appear larger, work <laughs> out and get really buff, because you will appear larger.
2: Or you could wear high-heeled shoes like Prince, but then you might have to have multiple hip replacements from dancing Whoa, on them yeah, also, hard. Tom if did
3: hard.
1: Also, yeah. if you feel insecure about being a small man, remember Prince. Yeah, do you? Who has not been turned on by Prince? I don't right. care. Prince could have been
3: three feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been fine. Good. but, uh, I'm sorry. Did I start that? Did I start this ridiculous small man digression? Small diatribe. <laughs> That's all right. Anyway, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back to...
1: To a badass babe. Yeah, yes. Not a
3: small man. <laughs> Although, I did hear that this particular babe was a a very small stature.
2: Oh, right. That makes sense. And yeah, yeah. Is, she probably wore corsets as most people did. Oh, yeah. Mystery revealed. We're talking about Hilma F. Clint. Hilma F. Clint.
1: Yes. Not Clint. 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 And it's F, not of. Yeah. Yes. A- F. Clint. Get it right. Hilma as fuck Clint.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
3: Exactly (laughs) right. That's the name of our episode now. Yeah. (laughs) Dude.
1: Dude. Just Hilma as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's it. All right. Decision made.
2: Um, So if you haven't heard of Hilma, uh, you are not alone. I had not heard of her at all until I watched, this is kind of funny, Kristen Stewart had a movie come out called Personal Shopper. Uh-huh. Where it's a very somber movie and it involves ghosts, and she's—I want to see this.
1: This sounds fantastic.
2: You know, a lot of it I didn't understand, so I read a synopsis and I was like, "Oh, so it's thoughtful," and she does a good job. I like
1: Kristen. Stewart. Yeah, she wasn't like back in like the Twilight days. I was well, never. That was, that yeah. was just she it was, was set up. For some shitty times through that, <laughs> right. both her
2: and Robert, but like <laughs> Robert, like my good friend Robert, uh, yeah. um, but
3: like oh, Bobby, <laughs>
1: Bob, Bobby Pattinson, <laughs> Bob Pat, <laughs> Bobby Patty, okay. forget our Pats Bob Pat. <laughs> But anyways, like, I saw <laughs> I saw her in a movie, I think it came out a couple of years ago, uh, Cloud of Sils Maria, mm. with uh, Juliette Binoche, oh. and she is fantastic in it. She's mm-hmm. super good, and it's, yeah. it's a very interesting movie. It's ah. very good. So, yeah, I mean, I know that there's a lot of, like, Kristen Stewart hate, but...
3: I just want to see a movie in her where she, do- with her, where she doesn't appear to be so uh, vacant and, mm. uh, like... It's just this kind of like willowy, like, uh, yeah, sort of pale, right, anemic personality, anyway. Um, she
1: still has that. In okay. this movie. Well, <laughs> I kind of feel like that's just kind of part of her no, no hate, her stit, yeah. no her hate, stick. but yeah,
3: uh, again, I digress. What is uh,
2: so personal shopper, she's a kind of pale, sad <laughs> person, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, she, she has some reasons to be, but she's a. Medium psychic, so Aww. she can talk with spirits. Dope. And at one point in the movie, one of she's talking to some friends, and they're like, Have you ever heard of Hilma F. Clint? And she was like, No. And then it shows her like looking at these YouTube videos of Hilma F. Clint and reading about her. And they don't talk about Hilma a lot in the movie, but they basically say the brief little synopsis of her work. So she was a Swedish artist. She was born in 1862, so most of her work was done in the very early 20th century, late 18th century, and she was herself a medium and made these very abstract, in many cases large-scale, like up to 10 feet large, paintings primarily that she said were commissioned and kind of controlled by this divine other realm so she was able to connect into some spiritual realm and these paintings were dictated to her so she was painting under almost like possession kind of dope and when i heard that in the movie i was like is this for real so then i started looking it up and it is It's really interesting, especially because she died in 1944, uh, when she was 81, and she had in her will, her will stipulated that her work could not be uncovered and revealed to the public for 20 years after her death. Hmm. That's so
1: interesting on so many levels. Mm
3: -hmm. I wonder what the significance of the 20 years was.
2: She felt at the time that no one would be able to really understand her work and felt that having it unveiled in the 60s in the future, for her, the future, uh, people would understand it more. That's, that's so, whoa. That's so She on was paying point. for
1: the future, y'all. I know, but like. The spirits probably told her. Like.
0: Yeah. yeah probably, like, probably.
1: Probably. Like, so I watched some videos on her and definitely this theme of her being very ahead of her time in so many levels was kind of repeated. And I, you know, totally agree. And that's kind of part of what's interesting about her work. But now, like, put piecing together that that 20-year mark landed in the 60s. Yeah. Like, that is fucking weird. Right. Because this work is, like, perfect for what Mm -hmm. happened culturally in the 60s. Right.
2: Even though it was... That Because up until then, it was stored in her family's attic, and she made over a thousand works, had over a hundred notebooks where she had drawings in there, notes about her seances that she had, her kind of journey in this process of being a medium artist, but really none of it was even that discovered in the 60s. Like it took time for her work to be recognized by people. The first public showing of it was in 1986 at a show in LA themed on the spiritual and art. And then in 2013, there was an exhibit called Pioneer of Abstraction. And they have a correlating video on YouTube that we'll link that's has a lot of information about Hilma. And so in correlation with this exhibit at the Sto- at the museum in Stockholm, that was like the first large-scale show of her work. Just last year, London's Serpentine Gallery had a uh, showing of her called Painting Unseen. So really, people are still <clears throat> discovering her. So you know, all these paintings for decades were not looked at by anyone. And then even when they did come back out, it took some time to get kind of traction with that. But it's really, really interesting, her whole process. So a little bit more about that. The thing that's Incredibly interesting about her, you know, the pioneer of abstraction. Why she's called that is because many of the works that she made, the majority of them, were made before these pioneers, other pioneers of abstraction that come to mind, like Mondrian, Kandinsky, and Malevich. So she was really ahead of her time in like more ways than one, especially as being a female artist um, in the early 20th century. She was trained in art. She was mostly, at the time, women were allowed to go to art school. They were mostly allowed to do portraiture and landscapes, and it was believed at the time that women could only copy or reproduce art. They could not create anything new. So really... What? be Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, triggered.
2: um so really even though you could go to school and she went to the academy of fine arts for five years there was no expectation that women at this time could be professional artists that was for men only so she did portraiture landscape she did botanical studies in watercolor but she kind of moved into this new realm with the popularity of spirituality and seances. So, especially at, like, the turn of the century, Mm -hmm. that shit was so popular. Spiritualism.
1: People People
2: were getting getting together and having seances and a good creepy time.
3: Right. Every day. Well, it it was
1: this. Can we bring that back, though? Like, I want to have a good creepy time. I
3: think that there is some kind of resurgence of this lately. It seems like there. I I feel like, and we all touched on this again later, but um, I was just thinking about how it seems like this sort of trope of the witchy girl is coming back. Yeah. There was the moment in the 90s where Mm -hmm. everyone wanted to be, like, witchy. Yeah. And I I feel like we're having another witchy.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, there's a whole. I mean, and we're very much a part of that resurgence. Yeah, and yeah, there's a whole community. I follow a lot of like witches on Tumblr and stuff. Like, share spells and like, and it's really cool. It's like a very fun, engaging community that's usually very politically active as well. And it's just like it's about. Especially contemporarily, this, this, yeah, resurgence of like witchiness and witchcraft and spiritualism. It's about feeling empowered in yeah. a time when it's really easy to feel like you don't have any power yeah. or anything. You exactly. Know? Which is really beautiful. <clears throat> yeah. I think
3: it's, um, I think that it's timely in that way for sure. I'm really interested in stuff like that and I'm glad that it's getting a little more popular culturally and what I, want to say about this spiritism is I guess what the... It's spiritualism. Actually, it's spiritism. Really? Where? Yeah. So um, that was like what they called this moment in like turn of the century Europe and the bigger movement was something called the Theosophical Movement. Ah. Oh. And that <laughs> in, that influenced artists like uh, Vasily Kandinsky Piet Mondrian um, and the group known as the Nabis. I feel like we've talked about them before. Yeah, we have. But these groups that are representative of a larger modern movement. This whole, you know, I mean, uh, we can't. We're not going to go on about modernism, but the <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. But modernism was really characterized by looking for the new. And a big part of that was searching for new forms of like spiritualism. And these artists started to look to spiritualism in their art or somehow finding an escape from this rapidly changing society so it seems to kind of make sense that we're experiencing a resurgence of that sure um because shit's crazy
1: yeah Yeah. definitely um just clarity sake googled it both are right spiritism or spiritualism both dealing with the same thing like seances right those kind and and those those terms were both used at for sure 19th century time yeah.
3: frame right yeah, yeah, yeah. right okay yeah i think i uh, Well, the reason why i said spiritism is a that was just what i saw on the thing yeah that I and i
0: just knew it as right.
1: spiritualism so right. yeah we were both right
0: this episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe dive into the western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from prada you can shop for everything on your agenda
2: that bandwagon so by the end of the 1800s she starts taking part in seances of her own so what she did was she was part of a group of four other women who were artists and into spiritualism they were called the five and so they started having seances and she was their medium uh and they would meet on fridays (laughs) to have a seance And probably Just Fridays, you know, dance Fridays. A good Fridays with my girls time. <laughs> and in 1904, an entity named Amaliel oh. commissioned Hilma to paint an astral plane on an astral plane, excuse me, to paint on an astral plane. I, I don't fully understand what that means, but that is a quote from Hilma, so. Oh. Um, so she starts making these paintings done uh, through her with a force of divine dictation. And the five are meeting all the time, and they're doing these seances, and she ends up creating over 1,000 paintings. So she was pretty prolific. I mean, she was churning them out. Dang. And so... Really, the way that they kind of viewed, the way that Hilma viewed this other realm is, it wasn't explicitly, like, their ghosts, but it, I mean, it wasn't not that, it was, they considered there to be this parallel, invisible world to our own, and that, there was able to be contact between the two, and that everything in our world and that world was somehow interconnected. And she did a series called Paintings for the Temple, and that included 193 paintings that she made between the years of 1906 and 1915. More often than not, she worked in series or in pairs of works. It rarely were they explicitly like individual works, so it was usually like a project that she would be working on for a while where this divine force is telling her okay put that symbol here and like put a fibonacci's shell here i'm sure they didn't talk
1: like that but who knows maybe maybe yeah. i like to imagine that spirits like are not all like spooky and intense that they're just it's just yeah. like a chill experience yeah like, you know communing right with the other the other side, Why not? through the veil, yeah, you know? like Through the veil. It doesn't need to be so scary. No, <laughs> no. And,
2: like, I mean, I didn't come across anything in my research that ever hinted to anything that she was afraid of any of this. Uh, she had doubts, and she recorded those in her notebooks, like, you know, am I doing the right thing, like when should I reveal this to people? Should I reveal it to people? She knew that she shouldn't reveal it to anyone then because they would have put her probably in an institution. Mm -hmm. And asylums were real shitty back then. Yeah. really.
1: She's a smart lady.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I was just thinking about this because I kept reading over and over that she was practicing in private. And so Mm -hmm. her conventional artworks, her landscapes and portraiture were financing her income. So she was actually making a living off of her painting which is great what mm-hmm. more could you want
1: <laughs> yeah especially as a female yes. right right yeah.
3: and so that you know good for her but I kept wondering huh you know I wonder why she was doing these things in private wondering if maybe the spirits told her it had to be private or mm-hmm. whatever but you now that you mentioned this whole like fear of being institutionalized, that would scare me way right? more than whatever any spirits are saying. Yeah, <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> it was super logical and and I think just the fact that her work is very abstract and yes, out there yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's like she, she was the wandering womb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> but
1: she just like was also smart enough to know that doing anything avant-garde probably wasn't going to be taken seriously because she, she wasn't was a, a man. Yeah. 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 So like even even the whole institutionalization thing aside like no one was gonna take her seriously, yeah. most likely. Right. <gasps> no, oh. no,
2: no one was. But smart lady. But mm-hmm. totally smart. But it's real I mean, we'll put up a lot of images, but it's incredible looking at these works. I mean, she was doing shit that for the time is just hard to believe mm-hmm. that it happened. Yeah. Like, She would depict like cosmic dimensions, micro dimensions, like zooming in on atoms. A lot of the images in her paintings look like you're looking at something through a microscope and just like zooming in on little mm-hmm. germs or microbes her, or whatever. Per- <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Her stuff is so like, yeah, microcosmic, macrocosmic, yeah. which I like, get off on that stuff, like, the (laughs) the trying to map the universe by, like, zooming in and then zooming out, and, like, she's doing that in this very abstract beautiful colorful way way. totally totally and um in
2: 1906 she started using letters in her paintings which also for the time like to us now that's like oh letters in your painting sure yeah (laughs) but at the time that, that like was not that was not really done at all and these letters or symbols had specific meaning that she applied to them so when you would see the letter u that meant spirit um, the letter W meant matter, so when she combined the two, it meant matter developing from spirit. And she wow. was also really
1: interested in Dude, depicting... that yeah. would be such a cool tattoo. That would. Oh, that'd be Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, and they're like cool letters. They're mm-hmm. stylized. And she was also really interested in depicting the phases of life. So she shows the phases of life for um, man, for woman, and also dealing with this concept of different realms. So like our realm and then this spirit realm. And um, she has a really cool painting that we'll put up called The Swan. And it has in two like registers of the painting, a black and a white swan that are like coming together. So it, it's showing in a lot of ways that while we may look at things as very black and white, like you know our world and then the world beyond when you die or whatever is running parallel to our world but that they are in fact connected and that you can make contact to this other side. And she does it in really interesting visual ways, like through this painting of the two swans. And so these symbols and images act as doors to this other world realm. So we can get like a little glimpse of what she was able to somehow tap into. Uh, She also made a series of watercolors called the Parsifal series. And it recreates sort of the sense of her own journey as being a medium painter. And there's one in particular where you can see this sort of other realm again, where it's this really thick dark spiral with a tiny white light at the very end just kind of showing that, like, there is something on the other side. There is something that another world other than our own, which is pretty cool.
3: Yeah. That's
2: a beautiful thought. Yeah. And in the... YouTube video that I watched for the Stockholm Museum that had an exhibit of her and the curator is talking and she makes the point that you know Hilma's belief that everything is connected and there's this other realm is in a lot of ways maybe why it is becoming so popular. Her work is becoming popular and people are kind of drawn to it and can understand it on a certain level is that our culture is so much more interconnected than it was obviously at the turn of the century. So, you know, we can travel places very fast. We can communicate with people who are far away instantly, and to us, things do seem more connected than maybe they did in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, and she also makes that point that in so many ways, Hilma was deliberately painting for the future she was doing all these works felt she had to do all these works you know was doing portraits and landscapes on the side to live so that she could keep doing these secret works that she would never see the reaction of people seeing them which is just i mean you rarely hear of any artist doing that yeah. like or at least not intentionally mm-hmm. it's like oh they weren't that successful and then they died <laughs> and then they became very successful right. Yeah. Um, but she she made the very intentional choice to not have it viewed for decades after her death, which is just so She just, like,
1: truly, fully believed that the work she was doing was expressing something about reality that just was so important, you know? And yeah. nothing yeah. to do with her. It was egoless, you know what yes. I mean? Totally, yeah. totally. Which totally.
3: is so funny, then, because the opposite can be said for those artists that have been proclaimed to be like the original abstract artists. Right. So like yeah. um the name that comes to mind is going back to Vasily Kandinsky, for sure. Who was very open about claiming that he was the father of abstraction. Yeah. yeah. He said that. Like that <laughs> he was like, yeah, I did it. I for anybody who was I doing mean, it. It's me. And H- Kazimir
1: um, Malevich said similar things too. For sure. Right? Right? And all of these all these
3: men were working within the same circles. And so there was a lot of like, well, I did this first. And so y'all are wrong. <laughs> it was our girl, Afkwint. And I think that it's very beautiful that this was entirely a project bigger than her. Yeah. Oh, it had yeah. nothing to do with her wanting to gain any kind of fame or recognition. Yeah. She had her living that she was making with her conventional paintings. Yeah. These were entirely separate done for this completely different purpose and so I think it
1: says something really cool about just like true creativity like I think there's something when embarking on creative endeavors like there is something really it sounds kind of basic and like logical and boring but there's something to be said about not banking on making your living off of your creative endeavor and then doing it anyways Mm -hmm. I think like the best creative undertakings a lot of times are like when you have your shit in order and you're you're going you're willing to work whatever other job you have or, or in her case she still got to make art but it just yeah. wasn't like her right. you know right. expression it was her landscapes or whatever but like you figure out a way to make your money like mm-hmm. you gotta it's part of just being a human yeah you figure out a way to make your money and then you're free to really create totally. because you're not bound by this idea that you have to make money off of it. Yeah. And I think there's something really freeing in that. And For sure. I think she's a beautiful example of, like, what happens when you take that approach. Yeah, you know? I yeah. agree.
3: I'm really interested in this concept of how we even start the creative process and um, something that I read when researching her group that she was involved in, The Five, or I believe in Swedish it was Fem. Which is a happy sort of little coincidence. (laughs) What these women were doing, not only were they practicing seances where they were connecting with um, the spirit realm and talking to spirits, but they also practiced automatic writing and drawing so this thing that I feel like we tell people especially when someone's going through like writer's block this oh, idea yeah, of like just totally. write just write whatever yeah and yeah. so for many of us um I'm gonna speak personally in this instance I can't do that like I'm just like no whatever I write has to be the thing and um <laughs> so this Kind of notion of being able to just free flow. And um, so they were not consciously guiding the movement of their pens or their brushes and were just doing that and like waiting to just see How what would come out of that. And yeah. in that process, sort of surrendering to this higher state of consciousness and in this instance, um, letting the spirits move their pen and being a medium.
1: I mean, you're, you're tapping into a concept that's like really big right now, like psychologically and philosophy. Which I think you use the term even flow, mm-hmm. uh, flow states. Oh, um, is,
3: even flow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you're unfamiliar, you should Google flow states or ah, Jason Silva is a contemporary philosopher he was he was the dude who he hosted he hosted brain games uh, yeah, he's yes. very, he's, he's very lovely and full of energy and very passionate about what he does. But he's also pretty brilliant. Like, he has these YouTube series where he gets into flow states and he just does free-flowing philosophy, basically. Say his name again. Jason Silva. Jason Silva. Yeah, okay. I'm a little obsessed with him, but... Um, Is he cute? He's very cute. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> he actually, <laughs> he, um, he dated um, Heather Graham. For a oh. hot uh-huh minute, yeah. Man, she
3: gets oh. everything.
1: <laughs> oh, he's <laughs> cute, isn't he? Oh. oh, yeah. He's an
2: American-Venezuelan television personality. He's so much more than that. Google. Oh, look at his little. <laughs> oh, look at his little face. That's a cute picture.
3: Oh. Oh.
1: <laughs> anyway, <Okay. laughs> he does a lot of these. I, I can't remember exactly what he calls them, but. They're, oh, espresso shots. That's, oh. it. he calls these videos he does on Aww. YouTube, like, philosophy, like, espresso shots. They're just these, like, short, like, three to five minute videos. And he just, like, and they're beautiful. Like, it's usually, like, with, like, a sunset in the background or something stupid. Oh <laughs> I know. God. But he just, like, gets into a flow state and he just, he just rolls with his thoughts about existence and reality. And he, he's brilliant. He's, he expresses he, himself. Yeah. Yeah. Right, he's something. Um. Um, he has good words and a good face. Yeah, <laughs> and a good for real. Brain. If um, if this somehow makes it to him, uh, please come My on God. our show. Yeah, I mean, he's a content creator, so maybe we can make that connection happen. Yeah, because yeah, he's pretty amazing. Hi, but, but going back to what I was saying, I say, we're all just crushing hard. Like, I'm getting kind of flushed, to be honest. Yeah. Anyways, so he, and he's not the only person talking about this at, like, right now, but flow states are this idea of you're in a zone of creativity, and it's where your skills that you've already honed, like, your your hours of practice come right. out in these moments. And I relate to it a lot as, like, a hoop dancer, mm-hmm. like, if you're familiar with hoop dancing at all like it's very based in flow it's it's a lot of it is it's not choreographed for the most part and you practice your tricks and you try and get new tricks down and you put the hours into the practice but then you just put your music on and you make something really cool happen and sometimes it doesn't work out that way but sometimes you get into what is like what is called a flow state where you feel it, and you create something that just seems to flow together and happen, and you couldn't recreate it if you tried. You know, it just it just happens. And so these creativity flow states, I, I think, have become an interesting phenomenon that people are looking at more and more, yeah. whether it's writing, whether it's visual art, totally. whatever it is, because it seems to be those are the moments where all that practice and all that hard work erupt into something very beautiful and unexpected. Definitely. And I think that's 100% what they were doing. Yeah.
3: I want to know what the other ladies were doing, you know? Yeah. There was five of them.
2: Um, I know that the exhibit, I think, in Stockholm had some of the works of some of the other women, but I think Hilma was the one with the largest oeuvre. She was the most prolific.
3: (laughs) Is that how you say it? I hate that word. I
2: thought it it was oeuvre. I love typing it out, right?
3: But I hate saying it. It's a word that we have used. Actually, didn't we it's a have snobbish
2: a, art history word? I think
3: meaning we had, body of
1: work. Right? How do you spell it? O e v r e. I think so. I believe so. That's. Oof. Oof. Oh, I knew I was. I knew I got it right. Um,
3: but it wasn't over. Oh, over? So, um, I think we had a professor one time. I forget who. One of our professors was like, "Don't use that word. I hate that word. It I'm is.
1: It is a totally snobby, super pretentious. Word. But we're we were, sometimes you got
3: to use it. Yeah, yeah, and we weren't using it pretentiously. We're no. actually kind of laughing at it because. Yeah. it's... It's
1: silly. yeah. But yeah, and sometimes it just fits like. Right. You know, um, body
3: of work sounds like
1: yeah. If you're a writer, that can be a, that can just weigh a sentence down mm-hmm. unnecessarily. So yeah, body of work is. If I, if I
3: ever <laughs> open a massage parlor, I'm going to call it body of work. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I like it. Very yeah.
3: clever. Very
2: clever. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, so, I mean Clint. it's crazy that I learned about her through a fucking Kristen
3: Stewart movie. I know. I didn't know that this person existed at all.
1: And Uh, yeah, I had seen one of her works multiple times, like on just many different platforms. And I always liked it. I was like, that's a dope painting. Really? I I just never heard of this lady. No, but like, that's, that's what I'm saying, neither had I, because I'd seen the painting multiple times and I always assumed that it was a, a dude that made oh, it. I mean, so, patriarchy. Exactly, patriarchy, it is in At all of again. us. Like, Dang it. doesn't matter how feminist you are, you're still susceptible to it, so, oh. um, and I did, I assumed it was, yeah, like a Kandinsky or something along those lines. Right, because
3: a lot of them look like Kandinsky. But, I mean, yeah,
1: but beautifully their own thing, but definitely, very totally, definitely similar. There's yeah. so much more, like, delicate they are whereas yeah.
3: kandinsky yes. has a lot of um i feel like kandinsky is even so in some ways maybe a little bit more representational in well some Kandis- of yeah. kandinsky I mean, has yeah.
1: synesthesia and a lot of his works do remind me of like musical compositions They oh, remind me yeah. of music right. happening that's a really totally. cool thing totally like yeah. Um, yeah 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 so in that sense they could, in a way, be representational. It's like music happening, you know, coming from an orchestra that is turned into something visual. Right. Um,
3: Oh, man. I'm glad I don't have that. (laughs) Can you imagine being at, like, a death metal concert? (laughs) Oh, Oh, like, oh, get me out of here! That could could be intense. It could be sensory overload. Oh, man. It already is. (laughs) I wanted to talk about this thing, and um, this is something that I don't know if we've ever talked about, but I was reading about Off Clint, and I started to think about not only how there's a, already difficulties faced by women in every creative field, but especially 20th century painting, we really don't pay a whole lot of attention to women artists. Not we, like we do, but <laughs> we, the collective we.
1: And even um, sometimes we don't. Like, yeah.
3: Yeah. And we should. I feel we... Us we. <laughs> we um, are history, we. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, try to spotlight women artists when we get compelled to, and so we're very compelled to right now. And, and you know, we're going to work more on, on evening that out. But also, we're going to also work on being really fair, because I feel like we've spent a number of episodes talking about problematic men. Yeah. <laughs> there's some problematic ladies out there, too. So, you know, but that's for another episode. But...
1: We should... That would actually be a really fun one, just problematic ladies. I know. That could are, be like like interesting. They are out
3: there. Yeah. <laughs> Where I was going is that not only is the art world largely defined by men but there's this sort of tendency to take art that has connections to the mystical and occult um mm. not seriously. Yeah. yeah like it's totally. not serious it's just oh it's this fanciful thing and taking that one step further I feel like That there is this prejudice towards thinking about mysticism or occultism as largely something that women are just into, like totally, you know, women and their fanciful like witchery.
2: (laughs) She goes to a psychic and asks about when she'll get a boyfriend. Yeah, you know what I was
3: thinking because I've been watching a ton of. Friends, because I never watched Friends when I was a kid. Me
1: either. Yeah.
3: You know, well, I grew up in a Mexican household. We watched novellas. We didn't watch
1: Friends. I grew up on Friends hardcore. Right. They, they raised me. I was just
3: thinking about how Phoebe Buffet is such a oh. comedic relief, right? Mm-hmm. They kind of paint her as being like kind of an airhead. And oh, like she's all about like reading people's minds and episodes where they'll make fun of her previous lives mm-hmm. or like she's reading someone's mind or whatever. And it's just this ongoing joke of the woman who's into mysticism. Right, and, definitely. And um, that still holds true
2: today. Absolutely, and especially like when you're, you know, spiritualism and all that. I mean, men were into that shit, too. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it was culturally acceptable. Men and women were both involved in it. And then that would actually be very interesting to look at the decline of that. Huh. For
0: sure. Side ideas, note. ideas. But,
2: I mean, now it is you know, almost all, like, if you go into a place to get, like, your tarot cards read or something, it's typically women, in my experience.
1: Uh, no, um, I'm just going to say <laughs> that there's an episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You from a while back, oh. and they talk about... There, I mean, there's legitimate numbers. How tarot card readers are very overwhelmingly female. Yeah. However, magicians, like theatrical oh, yeah. stage magicians, Almost all men. All men. Yeah. Think about that for a second. Huh. The tarot it's card they reader a showboat. <laughs> right. The tarot card reader is about personal relationships. The tarot yeah. card reader is about sitting down and really trying to know someone, and to obviously, you know, tell their future based on what they're getting back, Yeah, the stage magician is a stage magician, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's Job off of, uh, <laughs> yes, off of arrested, arrested Development, development totally. you know, and I just, I don't know, I thought that was very telling, yes. like, I thought that yeah. was interesting. Also,
3: why are men always wizards, and women are always witches? I don't know, are there any lady wizards? Um wizards are always like so cool and powerful and <laughs> then witches are like
1: this evil like hag and Well I mean that's just the patriarchy. That's that's your God, answer. That's I mean, like patriarchy. because I mean I think we're you know, there's that's part of the attempt to shift the concept of witches into being this really positive, powerful thing because we should do an episode on this, like around Halloween. I think, like, yeah, um, witches and stuff, and the history of it. But we think about like, this stuff all the time. We do. I actually really? almost did my thesis on oh, representations yeah. of witches. I remember. I that. still You're, would like to do research on that. Do some another point. thesis, <laughs> it's just for you. <laughs> I might. I might. Just um, do it. But the thing about witches is, like, yeah. So you have wizards and then their female counterpart, quote-unquote, which should be witches, but, like, witches went through centuries of persecution, and they were looked down upon, and a lot of times, really, all a witch was, all a witch was in the past was a woman who had knowledge of medicine, Mm. and they were, like, uh, midwives. You know, they had vast knowledge. It was a woman with vast knowledge, and that very quickly snowballed into her being a witch witch, which meant she was evil and she needed to be burned at the stake. Whereas that didn't, there was no, there were no wizard hangings. (laughs) that didn't happen. So Um, the patriarchy is definitely a big element of that.
3: Another um, person who comes to mind who was heavily into occultism and was for many, many years not considered, uh, not taken seriously as an artist is our favorite Mm -hmm. witch Yoko Ono. Yeah. Yeah. And was that
2: in the Dali episode where we said that she wanted to buy a lock yes. of his hair and he gave yes. her grass because he was afraid she was going to cast a spell on <laughs> yes, him? Yes,
3: yes.
1: This might be my favorite thing in the world. She was probably just like, and... damn, yeah, foiled. But <laughs> I just love that Salvador Dali believed in Yoko Ono's power that much. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah. yeah. He was scared. And that's the thing, too, because when you look at people who, like, you know,
2: men. Women can be, too, of course, of course. But just for this example, I'll carry it through. Like, men who are like, oh, you know, she does spells and is interested in that. And it's so strange. But a lot of times they're afraid of it. Yeah, right?
1: (laughs) But it's also they're afraid of it. So that means some part of them thinks thinks... it might be real. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like you're talking shit. But at the end of the day, like, you think that there might be something there. Yeah. And, I mean, that's powerful in itself, Chow. you know? Sure. Oh, man. But, um, okay. Yeah. Well, no, that's a good point about Yoko. And,
2: I mean, Hilma F. Clint. I hope Yoko knows about her. I'm I sure bet she does. Right? I think Yoko yeah. Ono
1: knows about and everybody. I, 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 hey, like, maybe Yoko Ono has the secrets of the universe. So, like. I need to
2: look back. Okay. What was the name of that <laughs> spiritual being? Amalio. Amalio, Amalio, who came to Hilma, he probably, or she... Or maybe Amaliel. it's beyond he or she, and yeah, it's, you know, it's Amaliel, I doubt it's I doubt
1: it's gendered. Amalie
2: L. probably has come to Yoko as well.
1: Dude, okay, so I, I want to ask her. So this is an idea that I really like and I kind of hold on to, and it comes from this TED Talk by Elizabeth Gilbert, who she wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Oh, yeah. Um, and she's lovely. She's, like, an amazing woman, like, very just powerful independent writer lady and she has just a lot of very interesting things to say you should watch her ted talk it's really good but she talks about the history of the concept of the genius and she talks about how at one point in history and i love this so much at one point in history People weren't considered to be geniuses. They had a genius. Oh. So if you were if you were visited by your genius that night, oh. you you created something of Whoa. genius. Yeah. So it took the pressure off of the human as being this otherworldly thing because maybe that day, basically the takeaway message is You, as a creative being, if you want to be creative, you have to sit down and do the work. Whatever you're you're writing, art, dance, whatever, you have to sit down and do the work. Some days your genius will show up and some days he won't. Huh. Or she, or she, yeah, or them, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So this idea, like, it just reminds me of what you're saying about Hilma Clinton, because in some ways, maybe this this spiritual mm-hmm. being that moves through her mm-hmm. was her genius, like moving yeah. through her, could very well. And be. And I was like, I'm yeah, ill. yeah. She was just lucky enough to know her genius's name, yeah, you know? <laughs> Man.
0: I like that idea. I do
1: too. It brings me comfort. Yeah. I like it. I like that. And I like Hilma. I like Hilma.
3: I hope that you guys will like Hilma. Check out the images. These are a trip. There's some really amazing ones. There's some that are very geometric, they look almost like diagrams and then yeah. others that look so
1: organic yeah like you're, like, like we
3: said earlier like you're looking under a microscope and some of yeah. them mix
1: it together like yeah it's yeah so there's a great. lot of like
2: mathematical like geometry like there's some fibonacci shells she throws in there and yeah it's really cool. Um
1: yeah, I've already so like I'm getting ready to move into my new place that I'm super stoked about and once I have the money I'm definitely investing in like a large size quality print of a Hilma of Clint yeah. piece because they're just I'm kind of thinking I'm going to find some of the secrets of the universe you if might, I if I look at it long enough. You
3: really you really, you really might could, and right? you should let us know. Is that is that all we
1: got to say about her babe? Yeah, 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 I I feel
3: as if the rest would be superfluous. Um, <laughs> you just got to look at the work.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, there probably is more to say. I, like we all right. said, um, we're all really new to her, unfortunately, because... I'm very intrigued. Yeah, because she hasn't, somehow hasn't been taught in yeah. our m- modern classes. and I know. And she's kind of under the radar. So I'm definitely excited to do more research on her totally. like I want to know everything there is to know about this yeah
2: I think there's at least one book out about her but nice. we
1: could we could new- write the next one sure why not art history babes do F Clint yeah. Be on the lookout for it Holmuth in the future as fuck Clint. <laughs> that'll be the name of the book too all right listener mail okay this one comes to a very sweet listener of us or a very sweet listener of ours named Emily um she is a huge fan and I think she follows a lot of us on like our personal Instagram oh, yeah and, like, <laughs> Emily.
3: Um- I I post, like, emotional-ass shit all the time <laughs> on my
1: Instagram. She's like, like, <laughs> I support you. Yeah, she likes everything I do, and I'm like, thank you. Thanks, <laughs> thanks Emily. And I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I follow her back, and she's just lovely.
2: I'm so bad at Instagram, so if anyone requests me and you never hear anything, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I, I just... I'm not,
2: I'm not good at yeah, this.
1: Yeah, Denny's <laughs> not not really our social media go-to. You, you try, though. You, you try. <laughs> you, do, you do some stuff. It's good. It's good. But Emily wrote us. Subject. Finally. Hello there, babes. Y'all, you are my favorites. <laughs> I've been following you for several months now, having found you due to my love of Caravaggio and Bad Boys of the Broke. Yes. And I uh, am yeah. obsessed in a chill way. (laughs) You may recognize me from our interactions on social media, both on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, we do. a historian by training, I've loved art history ever since I took a class in high school, which was surprisingly wonderful considering my high school was in the middle of a cornfield in Indiana. Whoa. Midwestern, babes. Yay! I got to take another course in my senior year of college, and it's been a hobby and interest of mine that has persisted. As I mentioned, I love Caravaggio, as well as Artemisia. Gentileschi. My favorite piece of art, however, is Jan van Eyck's Arnolfini Portrait. That's a good one. Yeah, that's an interesting one for sure. I saw somebody do a version of that. I just like saw it on Tumblr. I don't really know who it was, but it was. It's called No Arnolfini Wedding, and it's the Arnolfini Portrait, but they took the two people out of it so oh. it's just empty and it's really cool yeah so you should look that up if you haven't read girl in a green gown i highly recommend it ah i, I that haven't either, and I want to look it up, because I love all kinds of, like, art historical fiction. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, enough about me. You four are so great. I feel like I'm hanging out with some great lady pals when I listen to your podcast, and I learn and laugh so much. Color Theory Part 2 is a favorite episode of mine. <laughs> <laughs> <More>. <laughs> that oh, episode. That was, like, over a year ago. I know. God, that shit. was back
3: when we were getting, like wasted (laughs) in recording the podcast. I am... Turned in that
1: episode. And that was a that was a fun one though. That was well. I mean, I hope we have more episodes it, like that. We will. We just obviously can't do it all the time because that wouldn't be good for our health. But. <laughs> we
3: were going hard in grad school. <laughs> yes.
1: Let's see. But there's honestly never been one I didn't love. I've been meaning to write you for a while to tell y'all how much I love the podcast as well as all of you. Stay golden, babes. XOXO, Emily. P.S. One word. Merch. Um. Yeah. yeah. Coming at you! We are going to have it's it's di- going to be basic. It's going to be a, the, st- the starting of of our merch. We're not going to have a ton of stuff, but we're going to have t-shirts and mugs and canvas bags. I think starting totes, totes, totes. mugs.
2: <laughs> we got totes. <laughs> we're going to
1: have the coolest totes. Yeah. Um. So we'll have a few. A few merch items um, on our website at the beginning of September. Definitely be on the lookout for that. And that's something obviously we hope to grow on as well and yeah. come up with new designs and yeah, things. Yeah. So definitely be watching out for that. We're excited about it. We're all going to buy it, probably. Yeah, I I want, like,
3: a king-size mug. I don't know if we're (laughs) going to do those, but I don't drink a regular cup of coffee. All of my mugs, I realized, are, like, bowls.
1: You'll have to do, like, a special order. Special
3: order, like, (laughs) Jennifer-sized
1: Jen's king cup. (laughs) But, yeah, so be on the lookout for that. Also, things to be on the lookout for. We have launched uh, Patreon exclusives, which means... If you can't get enough of the art history babes, well, guess what? You have the opportunity to have more of the art history (laughs) (laughs) babes. Anyone who donates to us on Patreon, if you become a patron of ours, every month we will be having exclusive bonus episodes.
2: Little mini episodes. Little bonus
1: (laughs) mini. Like,
2: I don't know. Little, they, they're so small. Bonus little, small thing. I don't know. Little
1: baby guys. I mean, in in the realm of like a half an hour. So not like yeah. tiny tiny, but um, just small guys. Just smaller guys. Yeah, and and we'll have those available once a month for you. Extra content, no matter what you donate. So get on our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Art History Babes. You know all of our social media stuff. We're out there, every yeah. single one of them. You can find us. Write us a review on iTunes.
3: Yes, they're we lovely, love those.
1: they're really great. Yeah, so please do that. Am I missing anything?
3: Just follow us on all of our our stuff and uh, you know, write us. We love it.
1: Engage, we love the conversation. Yeah, it's really um, enjoyable. Check out Hilma F. We'll have images up, but you should also just like Google her and learn everything you can because she's really interesting. And, yeah, I think that's all we got for today. So thank you so much for listening to this episode about a totally badass babe. Yeah.
2: Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Amaliel.
1: We are babes. Yeah, are you- Who has not been turned on by Prince? I don't right? care.
3: Prince could have been three feet tall. <laughs> 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 it would have been fine.